0: And now the values have taken on life of their own and they're building our family back. It's become a dyadic process. It's taken on its own life force. And it's a beautiful thing. So my dear listener, what are some things that you would like to keep and thread into the fabric of your family so that it has a meaning and a purpose and a sense of pride and belonging that is bigger than just a bunch of people sharing a last name or a roof. Welcome to Your Brain on Trauma where we share science-based tools to heal from childhood traumas so you can let go of patterns that might be holding you back, have better relationships, and pass on a legacy that you're proud of. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita Sun. I'm a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, a trauma recovery coach, and a survivor myself. I'm super honored to have you here. I've got so much to share with you. Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, my friends. Happy Thursday. Ah, It's been a whirlwind week for us here. We had a quick trip to Boston and back. We're living in San, close to San Francisco right now. So really the other end of the country and back. All within 72 hours um, to see and spend some time with my best friend. I should do a whole episode on... That friendship and all the blessings and peace and safety and joy it has given me over the years. We met in med school and in India, we actually start med school right out of high school. So we were maybe 18, 19 when we met and now we're 47. (laughs) So it has really um, been most of my life that I've known her Her name is uh, Dr. Uma. She's a pathologist, and she is here for a month to do a one-month rotation at Mass General here in Boston in the Department of Pathology. So I haven't seen her in three years because of COVID and lots of other things, not being able to travel back home. So it was such a treat to see her and spend a couple of days with her. It just really filled my heart. So, um, today I wanted to share uh, what we in our family, myself, Kristen, and Gia, we have um, a set of sort of family values, if you will, that we all really feel pride in, we believe, and we reinforce with each other and in the choices that we make as individuals and as a family. And it's become somewhat of a a creed of sorts. Um, And I more and more see the value as we've been building this creed, it has taken on a life of its own, you know? And it has started in return shaping our life choices and our futures. It's pretty amazing. So if any of you are struggling with bringing your spouse and yourself and the children together into something that feels like a cohesive bond, that feels like there's a sense of purpose, a sense of um, sort of shared direction, which I think is really powerful to have as a family, then I hope this episode will be helpful for you to think about what sort of things might go in your shared family family values or your family creed? So here goes. One of the top ones, and these are in no particular order, they're all equally important, but the one that came to my mind first is a saying that we have that actually came from Kristen's mom. And I'm not sure if she created it or if she got it from her parents or grandparents, but we remember it as coming from Kristen's mom and that is the saying that you are never in trouble for a mistake and I loved this saying the very first time Kristen said that to me and she's had to say it to me millions of times because unfortunately I'm a bit of a klutz and I lose things and misplace things and forget things (laughs) so She has never, not once, and we've been together almost eight years, not once in these eight years has she gotten annoyed even, let alone super upset, but even annoyed over a mistake. Any mistake, either from me or Gia, Kristen just does not get annoyed by because she was raised with that value system. And I just love that. I was not raised with that. In fact, it was quite the opposite. My dad had this habit that he obviously picked up from his own childhood and um, sort of it became his defense mechanism as a way of protecting himself in the world. But he saw it as a strength of his that he could find out what the mistake was, where somebody had gone wrong and sort of pinpoint that and criticize that. And I don't think he saw it as criticizing. He saw it as improving, okay? So I come from that sort of environment where I felt sort of picked on subtly a lot. And to meet this person, and when she first told me this, I think I had misplace my phone. Um, and we were actually, if I remember right, we were running late to go pick up her nieces. This is when we were dating in the beginning. Her nieces were coming to visit us from Pennsylvania. And they were flying by themselves for the first time. And we were supposed to pick them up at the airport. And we were running late to get to the airport because I had misplaced my phone. And yet, I mean, I would have gotten annoyed in that circumstance, right? Two young kids, my nieces, are flying for the first time. I'm nervous. They're nervous. And... I can't even get to the airport because my partner has misplaced her phone. That would annoy me. Kristen did not get annoyed. She just said, hey, it's okay. No one's in trouble ever for a mistake. Let's try to find it together. And if we can't, we'll go get them, come back, and we'll keep looking. We'll have four sets of, you know, hands to help us. If we can't find it now, they'll join us in the hunt. And I will never forget the grace In that, I felt so grateful and so um, sort of unconditionally loved, right? And that's something that's become a family motto of ours. We say it to Gia whenever she makes a mistake, even if it is, you know, that mistake ends up losing something or breaking something or even hurting somebody's feelings. As long as it was a genuine mistake, she's never in trouble for it. And we help her figure it out and i love that that is one of our rules one of our value systems something that we're proud of and we lean on and we share even when gia brings her friends over for playdates and that child makes a mistake even if their parents if the child's parents reprimand the child we always say listen no one's ever in trouble for a mistake it's all right so that's one of our family models Another one is when you're grumpy, that's when you need the most loving. (laughs) This also came from Kristen's mom. What an amazing lady, right? I wish I'd met her. She passed away many, many years um, ago when Kristen was 27, I think, and, uh, Kristen and I met when she was 37, 37 or 38. So many years ago. But I wish I'd met her because she just, like somebody who comes up with these sort of family models and sayings and rules, to me is the coolest person on earth, you know. Um, but this also came from her is that when someone is grumpy, that's when they need the most loving now, here's the thing. She did not define loving as going along with what the person is saying or even agreeing with the, what the person is saying. In fact, Kristen often tells a story that when she was a child, she'd want to check how unconditional her mother's love was. So she'd keep asking questions like, what if I did this, would you still love me? What if I did that, would you still love me? And one time she asked her mom, what if I, you know, murdered somebody? What would you do then? And her mom apparently said, I would turn you in. And then I would live right outside the prison walls so I could just, as soon as the gates opened, I would come and visit you. Every day I would be there. Every day I would spend my life being there with you. So notice the the extreme depth of love while also holding consequences, right? She didn't say... You know, one of the famous sort of sayings here is, if you murder somebody, I'll help bury the body. But that's not what she said, right? She said, I'll turn you in, but I will be there with you every step of the way. And so when someone in our family now, including myself or Gio or Kristen, when any of us are grumpy, which happens, right? Almost every day, we all have moments we feel annoyed frustrated overwhelmed irritated grumpy and the person who is not feeling so overwhelmed or grumpy we try to sort of soothe and love on and hug the person who is feeling overwhelmed and grumpy because that's one of our family values when someone is grumpy they need the most loving this sometimes comes up with Gia when she's having a little bit of a meltdown and feeling overwhelmed. And as kids do, sometimes she will lash out. And we still do give consequences, natural consequences, nothing extreme, nothing that we just make up. Like, for example, if she's having a complete meltdown um, at a friend's house, she knows that we'll try our best all together to try to soothe. And if we're not able to, we will come back home. That's not a punishment. It is just a natural consequence because she's feeling overwhelmed and needs some help, right? So we still hold on to those natural consequences, but there's also loving. There is not a shaming or sending off to your room, like, you know, go to your room and don't come out until you have a better attitude. We don't do things like that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's not something that sits well with my own core set of values and how I want to be in the world. I wouldn't want to be treated like that if I was having a hard day. If someone said, you know, that's horrible. Go to your room and don't come out until you can be better. It would really make me feel shitty about myself. And so I just, we don't want to do something to our child that would feel bad if someone did the same thing to us, right? So... We hold on to consequences, but there is always more loving if someone is having a hard time. Okay, that's one of our mottos. Okay, so another one of our rules is that we love learning. Learning is fun. Gia will often say that. She'll say, learning is fun. Doing math, workbooks is fun. Drawing is fun. Um, Learning how to ride a bike is fun, right? She... Just probably because Kristen and I enjoy learning new skills and sort of challenging ourselves and um, we read a lot and we discuss things that we read a lot with a lot of excitement. We share with each other. So it's not just that we have that rule. In any one of these rules, it's not just that we have the rule, it's that we live the rule, okay? That's what's going to influence the entire family. You can't just have a value if you're not living it. So because we live it and we genuinely find learning fascinating and exciting and interesting, that model feels in alignment with how we're actually living. And so because of that, Gia just picks it up and she often will will say that learning is fun, doing new things and um, trying new things is fun. So that's another model that we have. And another um, one that is similar to learning is fun, is that we are problem solvers. This is something that I, even before I had Gia, I really wanted to pass on to my child, the sense that things won't always be easy or work on the first try, or even the second or third try, that part of the process is trying something, seeing what worked and what didn't, and then tweaking to get closer to the result that we're trying to produce and that that is a process. There's an iterative process there and some of that can feel uh, frustrating a little bit or discouraging or even boring some parts, right? But that we don't expect the process to be anything else. We don't expect that we will just try it and it'll either work or not work. We are... Programmed, we are sort of, it's in our, the air that we breathe in our home that we try and try again and try again and tweak as we go because we are problem solvers. So when we see a problem, we try to find different paths to solve it and we're not hung up on the idea that we have to solve it quickly or immediately. We don't limit ourselves in that way because once you have that rule that it has to be quick or you've got to be able to do it immediately, it becomes a limiting factor because once you try it and you're not able to do it immediately, you just give up or you think that there's something wrong with you. You're not good enough, right? And so grit comes from the idea that problem solving is itself an identity to be proud of and that anything worth solving will require because you haven't done it before, because it's new for you, because it's outside your comfort zone and that's the only way to grow. It will require sort of hit and miss and tweaking and trying again and getting a few parts right and then the other parts go wrong and trying again. That is how growth and learning and getting better at something happens. So that's another motto is that we are problem solvers. And the last thing that I will say is a big sort of part of our family creed is the rule that we are kind even when we have a complaint to share. Like any family, when a group of human beings are living together under the same roof, they're rubbing up against each other's habits and opinions and you know, each person wants different things to happen, different goals that they want to reach, different dreams that they want to go after. And sometimes it's going to hurt the other person's feelings or disappoint someone else. That is inevitable, right? So having complaints or wanting something from your spouse or your parent or your child is part and parcel of growing together as a family. We don't see complaints as a bad thing. The only rule is, even when we're complaining, we are kind, which means that we talk about the issue. We never attack the person's character. Never, ever. And if we do, the other person only has to say, ouch, and we apologize. Right? Because sometimes we're sort of in the heat of things and... We get caught up in the emotion and we might end up saying something that is a generalization. Like, you always do this and you don't care that I feel this way and things like that. Instead of talking about the issue and what it is that we would prefer or we would want to change, we become more broader and universal and start talking about and describing the other person's intentions and their character. And if that were to happen, we try very hard not to have that happen. But if that happens, the other person only has to say, ouch. And that is reason enough. Even if you feel like you did not attack the other person's character, if the other person, if their heart has been hurt, that is reason enough. That's another um, and the final one of our golden rules is we apologize if the other person's feelings are hurt, even if we didn't intend it or if we're convinced that we didn't say it the way the other person heard it. Because for us, the fact that our loved one's heart is hurting is reason enough to say, I'm so sorry that it came across like that. I would never want to hurt your feelings. I apologize. Right? So those are the seven sort of golden rules and values upon which we are slowly building our family. And as I said earlier, the interesting thing is initially we built the values and now the values have taken on life of their own and they're building our family back. It's become a dyadic process. It's taken on its own life force and it's a beautiful thing. So, my dear listener whether you're new to the podcast or whether you've been along with me for a journey, for this journey for a while, either way, I urge you to take a few moments after you listen to this podcast to just jot down what are some things that you would like to sort of keep and thread into the fabric of your family so that it has a meaning and a purpose and a sense of pride and belonging that is bigger than just a bunch of people sharing a last name or a roof, right? Think about what that might be and start involving your spouse and your children in that discussion. They may have some ideas as well and then you can all together call it down to the most essential ones and then start thinking about how can we actually live this day-to-day? Because remember, these are not just words on paper or some ideas that we use to, you know, morally um, give lectures to our children. These are things that we breathe and live everywhere with our friends and with we're just, that is something that we believe as a family and then because of that it also spills out into how we are in the world. So start thinking about that. You don't have to do it all at once. This as I said, Kristen and I have been together for eight years. is almost five years old. This took a long time for it to get to this point, and that is okay. Just begin, and just the first conversation that you have with your family to think about what should be included and what shouldn't, that conversation itself will start giving life to this idea, right? Remember, it becomes bi- bidirectional after a while. So I hope you found this helpful. By the way we may be having another small tweak coming to the name of the podcast. The content will stay the same. The message is always the same. We're all about um, inner mastery and relationship healing. That is always our core message. And the tools that I will be sharing will remain the most powerful tools that I know of. But we may be tweaking the name of the podcast to better reflect what it is that we are trying to accomplish and what our mission is. So keep an eye on that. And if you found this episode helpful, please give us a review. You have no idea how important reviews are in getting Apple to show this podcast to other people who might benefit from it. So please, if you haven't, give us a review And share it with your friends and your family. Thank you so much. I love you. Always. Always, always. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, my friend. If you found this episode helpful, come join us in our free Facebook group called Your Brain on Trauma the link is in the show notes. And there is a whole community there of women just like you who are on this sacred healing journey. We cannot heal in isolation. We need community. And that's what we have in our free Facebook group. I'll see you there.